And now, a faux fiction audio production published by Not A Pipe Publishing. Super Guy by Kurt Klopton. Super Guy, the generic alternative. Less superhero hype, same superhero quality. Chapter 8. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm looking for Emma. Oliver asked a woman near the front of the Human Resources Department. The large, fluorescent-lit room was laid out similarly to the area in which he worked, with cubicles filling the interior of the space and offices along the outside, but this room was painted a much more daring shade of beige. The woman was wearing a telephone headset, and Oliver realized she was on a call, as she covered the mouthpiece and said, That way! while pointing toward one of the aisles running between the cubicles. Oliver mouthed a thank you and headed down the aisle as she had indicated, checking the nameplates as he went. The third cubicle on the left belonged to Emma Sims. Oliver stepped into the opening and knocked lightly on the wall of the cubicle. A young woman with shoulder-length, slightly wavy blonde hair was sitting mostly with her back to Oliver, talking on the telephone. She swiveled partially around in her chair and held up a hand as she said into the phone. So if you could call me back, that would be great. Thanks. She hung up, scribbled something on a pad of paper, and turned to face Oliver while pushing some stray strands of hair behind her left ear. She looked to be about Oliver's age, maybe a year or two younger, and had a nice smile and friendly blue eyes. Friendly and at least right up until Oliver introduced himself. So you're Oliver Olson. Suddenly, the nice smile he'd been admiring didn't seem to possess the emotion you'd normally associate with a smile. But Oliver couldn't quite place what it was he was detecting. I was just leaving you yet another message. That must be somewhere close to five now. Possibly a record for an employee who I didn't find out later was actually dead. But maybe you folks just have phones without buttons over in your department. Or is dialing just too complicated a concept for you to handle? No, I bet you probably didn't even get that far. Probably so confused by which end to speak into that you just threw in the towel, right? Oliver was definitely detecting sarcasm. That much was obvious, but the woman was also conveying a nice hint of outright hostility, too. If it were possible to hint something outright... It seemed a contradiction, but Oliver was fairly certain she was achieving the effect quite well, at least in her voice. Oliver called upon his incredibly weak social skills, involving women, to investigate further. He searched for clues. The smile, that nice smile he had noticed straight away, wasn't the same. It had taken on a somewhat demonic dimension. Oliver checked her eyes again. Blue and friendly before. Still blue, but not at all friendly now. It was very unsettling. Oliver fought the urge to flee. Yes, um, I'm very sorry about that. I've uh, just been really busy the last couple of days, and I didn't realize... Spare me, said the woman, holding up a hand. She closed her eyes and rubbed her temples, as if she were trying to fend off a headache. Oliver just waited quietly, feeling that was the best thing to do. Ironically, on the walk over, he had been thinking about all the possible bonuses of the hero thing. 
one of which seemed to be a sort of charisma. Joan had suddenly noticed him, so he was more noticeable, at least. So, being Oliver, he figured maybe it meant he might be able to get a date. Funny how, as a brand new bona fide hero, some guys might be daydreaming about the chance to stop some nefarious crime or save the world, yet Oliver had settled on dinner and a movie. Regardless, he was concentrating on the possible good in his situation when he should have realized he was still Oliver Olson and the bad was always right around the corner. And in this case, sitting right in this very cubicle. Here was an attractive woman his age, possibly unattached. He quickly looked for any kind of ring on her finger and saw none, and she already hated him because of the superhero thing. Dinner and a movie was probably out of the question. Oliver would be lucky to pull her back to the status of ambivalent co-worker at this point. The woman finally stopped rubbing her temples and opened her eyes. Doesn't matter. At least you're here now. But I would very much appreciate it if you got back to me more quickly in the future, since the mayor's office is hounding me about you. Uh, why are they? Because they want everything pertaining to them done yesterday, if not before, and it only gets worse at the end of the budget year or near an election. And for some reason, this time around, they've decided to go that extra mile and ruin my life specifically just for the fun of it. The smile had backed off to sarcasm now. She motioned to an extra chair. Please sit down. I'm Emma, by the way. Oliver, said Oliver, introducing himself again and shaking her hand. Emma seemed less angry now, at least directly at him. Maybe this relationship, whether ambivalent or even potentially friendly, could still be salvaged if Oliver could steer her anger toward the mayor's office. Maybe if he did it right, even dating was still a possibility. As he sat down, he said, Yeah, the mayor's office. I feel your pain. How are they ruining your life? With you. She rolled over to the other side of her cubicle and grabbed a large folder off the shelf. Oh, well, I'm sorry, said Oliver. Seeing his ability to steer a conversation was crap, but impressed with her ability to be hostile, so matter-of-factly. She had a lot of range with that emotion. He wondered if Emma was really the right type of person to be working in the Human Resources Department, although he still hadn't ruled out dating her. Okay, exactly how are they ruining your life using me? As a pawn, I might add. Oh, it's simple. On top of my current job, I now have to be your liaison because they didn't bother to write that into the budget, even though it's pretty much a full-time position. They won't have anyone over in the mayor's office do it because they can't spare the people, nor do they want to be that closely associated with you. It's the same with the police department. They'll want things too, but they aren't going to call you or give you a contact in their office, even though that would make a whole hell of a lot of sense. Instead, they'll go through me. I have to carry around a special cell phone all the time just because of you. And forget if it's the middle of the night or a weekend, I'm still working. I googled hero liaisons and there are message boards galore of people in the same position as me posting about how much it blows. But, on the good side, at least they're not paying me extra for the pleasure of doing it all. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's lucky. Okay, back to the mayor's office. Don't I have to be associated with them? 
They gave me a job. You'd think, wouldn't you? But no, that's not how it works. In politics, you can distance yourself from anything, but it's easier if you do it right from the start, especially if there's strong potential for failure. Strong potential for failure? Regardless, I figure that when you eventually screw something up, I'll be the one they fire, since they obviously can't fire you. <sighs> God, this is going to suck. Oliver sat there. Based on the last couple of minutes, he had an inkling that his chances of dating Emma were slim. He would be lucky to hold on to this thing at a level of comfortable ambivalence. Friendship might even be a pipe dream. He decided to drop it for the time being and focus on the job, especially since he couldn't devise a subtle way to find out if she had a boyfriend. Um, I don't really know what to say since this is all new to me and I really don't have a clue as to what's going on, but I will try very hard not to screw anything up and get you fired. Well, that's reassuring. I'm sorry, I really can't offer more than that. Okay, fine. Then let's just make sure of one thing. When I call, you come running, or flying, or whatever it is you do fastest. And if I ever have to leave another message, you might as well leave town and never come back. Okay? <laughs> okay. Well, to that end, this is for you. Emma pulled a thick file card out of the folder, peeled back a plastic coating, and then pulled off what looked to be a small round sticker. And cough? You really just want to keep your mouth shut. She pulled Oliver's left ear forward and placed the small sticker behind his earlobe. Leaning back, she said, Leave that there for at least five hours, then you can take it off. I don't know exactly how it works, but there's a microscopic communication device that will migrate to a position on the inside of your ear. Oliver resisted the temptation to say how cool that was, as Emma continued, I'll be able to contact you instantly, wherever you are, if I ever need to talk to you. From the material I read, you should hear a beep or a tone announcing a call, and a voice will tell you who's calling. Like, caller ID. To answer, you say, answer call, out loud. Just speak normally, the device will pick it up, and you should be able to hear me. Another, slightly different tone will sound to indicate when the call has ended. In order for you to initiate a call, you need to say COM, which is short for communicator, and it will beep and let you know it's ready. Then, call me, for example, and you just say, call Emma, and you'll be connected. COM and call cuts the connection. I use a special cell phone to talk to you, but you can use the communicator to call any number or even tie into other systems, like the police band, based on the commands you use. There's a list of those in the manual. You also have a number you can give out for others to contact you, but my calls have priority and will cut in on anything else. That's as far as I've gotten in my copy of the manual. Here's your copy. You'll need to read through it so you know what all you can do, and how to not accidentally call China or me in the middle of the night. I've got my new phone right here, which of course means I have to keep it with me at all times. She held up what looked like any other cell phone, except for being that same shiny silver color as the original file. Got all that? Got it. Making nice here was going to take more time. For the moment, he would stick with being the model employee who also happens to be a superhero approach. Okay, then for now, I only have a couple more things. First, here's a box of stuff for you, uniforms and whatever else. She reached under the desk, pulled out a cardboard box, and kicked it toward Oliver with her foot. Take that with you pulling a couple of sheets of paper from the same folder as the communication device, she said, Here's the itinerary for Monday's unveiling and press conference. Don't be late and be in costume. 
From that day on, you are the official superhero of Milwaukee. Next, here is your ticket, itinerary, and other information for your hero orientation in Washington, D.C. You'll leave after the press conference and be attending the orientation for the rest of the week. Personally, I don't think it's the best idea to introduce the new superhero and then ship him off for a week, but maybe they want to give the criminals one last chance to go nuts. That's politics, I guess. Any questions? Will you be at the press conference? Yes, I will. Unfortunately, I have to attend any public appearance with you because I'm your official liaison. Just something more to take up my time. Oh. Uh, sorry. Oh, don't be. We can even sum of that up right now. She said, standing. Grab your box and follow me. She led Oliver out of the cubicle, down the aisle, and into a small conference room with a table. A few chairs and some miscellaneous equipment on carts along one side. On the table was a laptop attached to a projector which was aimed at a blank white wall. Sit down, she said, pointing to a chair that faced the blank wall. She pressed a switch on the projector and it hummed to life, showing the laptop's screen up on the wall. Emma sat down in front of the laptop, opened a folder, and searched through some file names before double-clicking on one of them. Here's a little payback for you. A sexual harassment video anyone starting a new position has to watch. It's policy. I also hear it's somewhat unbearable. After that, you're free to go. Oh, and I'll be calling you in about five hours to make sure my phone and your communication device are working correctly. Have fun! Said Emma with a smile. It was the sarcastic version of her smile, which made Oliver long for the nice one he had experienced right before she found out who he was. But at least it was no longer hostile. That was progress. As Emma left, closing the door behind her, Oliver turned his attention to the video as it got past the opening credits. Hello, my name is Quentin Drew, and I'm your host for the next four hours. Oliver groaned and tuned the video out instantly. But he thought about the name. It was kind of an unusual name, Quentin, and it got Oliver to thinking. Speaking of names, I wonder what mine is. You have been listening to Super Guy by Kurt Klopton, a faux fiction audio production published by Not A Pipe Publishing. Look for the sequel to Super Guy coming this September. This recording, characters, and the situations within are the property of their author and creator and protected by copyright. If you wish to listen to more episodes in advance, search patreon.com, then faux fiction audio, and sign up to be a monthly patron. Or stay tuned until the next week for your free episode. We will see you then.